following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. see a few visitors here with us. So I just want to kind of give you a bit of a Snapchat as to where we've been. We're in week five of a series called Spring Cleaning. Uh, we've, been, we've been dealing with heart issues. We've been dealing with clutter in our heart, um, looking at getting rid of baggage, junk, uh, issues that maybe we've been carrying and struggling with. Uh, we, we've talked about pride. We've talked about pain um, last, last time I spoke, which was two weeks ago, and I know for some of you that was a really hard week, uh, talking about past hurts and, and, and unforgiveness and, and looking at that, uh, but I trust that in the end it was a, a positive experience um, and a helpful journey, and I want to encourage us that even though this stuff is hard and difficult to deal with, let's not back away, but let's actually step into it. And let's step in and lay a hold of God because He is good and He's gracious and merciful and kind and His desire for us is good and He wants good things for us and He wants us to live in wholeness and freedom and, and joy. And, and so while we walk through the difficult stuff, the end result is more of Christ in us. And that's worth it. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, if you're visiting with us, at the end of this service, we'll have a time of reflection. I encourage us to make the most of that time. We really want to be listening to the Holy Spirit um, to show us the things that He's wanting to deal with in our hearts and lives. And so I encourage you to do that. And we'll be praying corporate prayer, uh, corporate prayer at the end of repentance and confession. And I trust that as you pray that with your heart, that something profound and spiritual will happen in your heart. And that's what we're believing for. We're believing for spiritual breakthrough in, in these areas of our lives. We've been trying to identify some footholds that the enemy can use to bring spiritual oppression or physical, emotional, mental oppression into our lives. And that word means uh, opportunity or room in Ephesians 4, where we, we've given the enemy room and opportunity to move in our hearts and lives. And we've been talking about bringing our whole heart before God, that He might shine His light on those things, and that we would renounce those things and repent of those things and, and, and remove those footholds and block them up so that the enemy doesn't have opportunity to work in our lives. And so uh, let me pray and we'll, we'll jump into this week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is powerful. It is living and active. And as we come around it, Lord, I pray that we would lay our hearts bare before you, Lord, because we're secure in your goodness and your faithfulness and your love for us. So I pray, Father, that you would help me to say no more, no less than I need to, for your spirit to, to plant seeds of faith in people's hearts, that they might see Jesus and might respond in faith and obedience today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I want to talk about a foothold that I think is the trickiest. We've talked about pride being the hardest one to see in ourselves. We talked about pain being the, uh, the hardest one for us to face up to because of the, the deep wounds that might be there. This one, the past, the past is the trickiest one. The trickiest one for lots of different reasons. The trickiest one in terms of how we understand the effect of the past in light of the gospel in light of what Jesus has done for us, in light of the fact that something decisive has happened in, in our past. And yet, if we're honest, that we can see lingering things in, in our lives that just kind of hang around from the past. 
So it's, it's tricky that way. And I know that theologically speaking, uh, different people have different views on some of the stuff that we're going to be looking at today. And so I'm coming to you with a whole bunch of unknowns, with a whole bunch of mystery, with a whole bunch of humility saying, look, this is as best as I can understand what's really going on with some of this stuff, but I don't have clear and definitive answers for some of this stuff. And the other reason that makes this tricky is that the, the Bible doesn't have a whole bunch of stuff that directly relates to what we're talking about. There's some things that we'll look at that we can kind of infer things from, but they're not kind of hard and black and white and clear things. So I, I come with that. Um, and I want to suggest to you that maybe you need to be more prayerful, particularly with this one, and considering how maybe some of these things might be operating and working in your life. And I think the past can have uh, can be a foothold for the enemy definitely to work in in two particular areas and the first one is probably the most trickiest and that's generational influence generational influence what do i mean by this uh, what i mean by this is that how our ancestors behavior their actions maybe even their physiology has affected us in some way and still affects us in some way like, like when you go to the doctor um, I, you know I have a cholesterol issue and when I first went you know he said oh you change your diet do some exercise and we won't worry about medication and I did all that and I went back and it was even higher and he said oh there's a serious problem going on here what's going on I said I don't know you're the doctor you tell me and then he the question he asked me tell me about your family history and then when I did he's like Okay, we're just going to put you on medication because, you know, there's nothing you can do to fix this on your own. It's not going to happen. Uh, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. You go to see a counselor, and what do they say? Tell me about your upbringing. Tell me about how your life began. Tell me about your parents. Tell me about your family. Tell me about what it was like living in your home. See, in so many different ways, we can see in our lives how the past can affect and influence our reality. And... Maybe some of you can trace things in your family line. And while cholesterol, you know, I can medicate it and control it, there's other things that are a lot more serious. And maybe in your family line, you can see things like suicide that just runs through your family. Maybe you can see things like uh, untimely debts that runs through your family. Maybe you can see financial issues like long-term unemployment that just seems to run in your family or, or just indebtedness that no matter what you do, your family just doesn't seem to be able to break free from. You might see things like depression or phobias that you say, oh, my aunt had that problem and, you know, my grandmother seemed... And you kind of see these patterns of behavior that runs through your family. It could be things like divorce or abuse that characterize whole family lines. And sometimes we joke and we say things like, oh yeah, I'm just like my father. He was just like his father and his father before him. And we were all like this. And we kind of say things like, oh, that's just a, I even have a t-shirt that just says, it's a Williams thing. You wouldn't understand. And maybe when you look at your family history, you can say it's a whatever thing you wouldn't understand. And you can recognize these patterns of behavior and sin and other things that happen in your life that seem to run in your family. Now, how do we understand this? This is what I'm talking about. We're in the speculative zone now. And I want to suggest to you some things, maybe. One of the ways I think that this stuff can come into our family line is through curses. 
Uh, many of you have come from uh, developing parts of the world where the spiritual realm is real and powerful, and you know the power of these things. And these can be curses that others have put on your family and your family line, or curses that even your parents or your grandparents have put on their next generation. Particularly if you've come from a different religious background, like you've converted from Hinduism. I've, I've seen where parents put curses on their kids because they converted. Powerful things. And I see a biblical precedent in Genesis chapter 9 where we're told how Noah, because of the sin of his kids, pronounces curses over his kids. And for generations after, it kind of rolls out. So curses. Another way I think that this can come into our lives is through vows and oaths that you know, our ancestors maybe have made through witchcraft or occult or in, in secret societies like the Freemasons or a whole bunch of things where they've made pledges that bind generations to come. And the, the biblical precedent I see here is in Joshua chapter 9 where Joshua makes a, a covenant or a vow with the Gibeonites. You probably are familiar with that story. And years later, in 2 Samuel 21, God actually punishes the nation of Israel because they were not honoring the vow and the commitment that Joshua made. It's powerful how this pledge that was made, not by me, but by my ancestors, by my previous generation, somehow binds me. And maybe your family, in your history, there's stuff like that that you can kind of go, oh, wow, yeah, I see how that's just playing out in different ways in my family line. Uh, another way um, that, that we can see this at work is, can you put the next one? I've just forgotten it. Consequences of past sin. And this is an interesting one, where our, our ancestors may have sinned, and yet we suffer the consequences of that in some way. Uh, interesting passage in... in uh, Luke chapter 11, Jesus is talking uh, to, the, to the Pharisees and his generation, and, and he says uh, quite a profound thing, and I want to read it to you because maybe you've read this and you've kind of skipped over it, but it is interesting what Jesus says here. He says in verse 47, Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you build their tombs. Because of this... God in His wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Now listen to verse 50 and 51. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world. I don't fully understand what Jesus is saying there. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. The ongoing consequences of our ancestors' sin, somehow. The last one is inner vows that we make. Covenants and oaths. And usually it's, it's a reaction to our family line or the abuse of our fathers, or the alcoholism of our fathers, we say something like, I will never, I will never be that, I'm ne or I'll show you. And we, and we make this inner covenant almost with ourselves that can be a source of bondage. And again, some really interesting passages of Scripture um, in, in Luke chapter 12, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talks about the carelessness of our words. 
and how we will be acquitted or condemned by our words. And in Matthew 5, uh, Jesus says these powerful words about making oaths. He says in verse 33, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. And here's the key phrase. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And sometimes, whether we've ever said it out aloud, or we've thought it, uh, or in our heart, we said, I will never be like my dad, or I will never do that. And Funnily enough, we end up fulfilling the very thing we said we would never do. That's the kind of bondage I'm talking about. That's just mysterious to me. A good example of that is Dash, who said, I will never marry a Sri Lankan. (laughs) And she also said, I will never marry a pastor. (laughs) Two for two. Inner vows. Yeah, Susan's saying, I will never be a millionaire. Receive that, Lord. <laughs> if a few of you want to make that inner vow today, I will pray with you. <laughs> Told you you were unruly today. Seriously. Generational influence. Uh, yeah, the way it just kind of can bind us. And I want you to be thinking maybe there's stuff in your family line that you can recognize even as I'm talking and you can see some of this stuff happening. The second area, the second way that the enemy can use our past to bring us into bondage is our past sin and our past failure. Again, we all have a story and there's stuff that we've done that we regret, that we wish we'd never done, that we wish we could change and turn and do differently. And, and maybe even, and these, some of these things maybe have happened before you were a Christian and you're still so aware of it. And maybe there are things that even happened after you were a Christian. And maybe there are things that nobody knows about because you've never actually confessed. And he, uh, can I say something? If th- there's a crime that you've committed, that you've gotten away with, this will bind you. I encourage you, confess it, deal with it. As difficult as that might be, as hard as it will be, living in bondage is so much worse. Deal with it. And if there's stuff that you've done, even that's not a crime, that nobody knows about, confess it. Because the way the enemy works in this area is through guilt and shame. That's, that's how he does it. And he just replays it over and over and over in your mind and you can't escape it. And he threatens you and he accuses you and he intimidates you with things like, if only people knew, if only people knew, if, if they were to find out that you did this, that this is in your past, what would they think? And it riddles you and it binds you with fear and shame and guilt. There was a story told about little Johnny who was given a slingshot. It's always Johnny. I don't know why, but it's always Johnny. He was given a slingshot for his birthday and he went to his grandparents' house and he was, couldn't wait to, to try it out and he was really excited. And so he went out into the woods just behind his grandparents' house and he was practicing using his sling and all morning he couldn't hit anything. On his way back to his grandma's house, he spotted his grandma's pet duck. And he thought, oh, I'm going to have a go at this. I haven't hit anything all morning. What are the chances? Anyway, he loads it up, fires it, and he hits the target, kills the duck. And in panic, 
He picks up the duck and he tries to hide it in his grandma's woodpile out the back. Just when he's done it, he turns around and he sees his older sister, Sally, standing there looking at him. And she doesn't say anything. Later on, after they've had lunch, they're clearing the table. And grandma says to Sally, oh, I'd like you to come and help me clean up the dishes. And Sally says, no, 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 it's all right. Johnny said to me earlier that he would love to help you with the dishes. And then she turns to Johnny and says, remember the duck. And so Johnny kind of goes, I'll help you with the dishes, Grandma. And so he goes and does the dishes. And then in the evening, Grandpa says, oh, let's go fishing. And, and uh, Grandma says, no, 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 I need Sally to help me prepare dinner. And Sally goes, no, no, it's all, it's all taken care of. You know, after doing the dishes, Johnny said to me, he can't wait to help you with supper. He's so excited. He wants to help with dinner. Remember the duck. <laughs> and so this went on for days and days and days. And after a while, Johnny got so sick of it. He confessed. He goes to his grandma and says, Grandma, this is what happened. And his grandma gives him a big hug and says, Yeah, I knew. I was watching you from the kitchen window. (laughs) And because I loved you, I already forgave you. I just wanted to see how long you would let your sister make a slave of you. That's what the enemy does. That's how he does it. He makes you a slave with shame and with guilt and with fear. But I believe God wants to set you free from your past sin and failure. He's paid for it. He loves you and He's forgiven you. The debt has been paid, but the shame and the guilt might still be lingering there. And the enemy keeps using that as leverage to bind you. But today, I really believe something can happen in your heart to free you. You know, some really encouraging scriptures in, in, in 1 Timothy. Uh, you know, the, the Apostle Paul, he really wrestled. Um, you know, with, with his past, and, but he didn't let it bind him. And I love what he says in, in 1 Timothy, verses 12 onwards, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, listen to this guy, and listen to how he found freedom. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who's given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. He's not pretending. He's not hiding anything. Everybody knew this of Paul, and Paul doesn't pretend. He's acknowledging and confessing this stuff. But in light of this, he says, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord Jesus was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But... For that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And then he finishes with praise. Now to the King, eternally, mortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. I, I pray that that will be your testimony. Thank you, God, for your mercy that saved me, the worst of all sinners. You know, in John 8, Jesus has an interesting conversation with the Pharisees. And interestingly, if you actually read some of the things that Jesus said to the Pharisees, a lot of them had to do with their ancestral stuff. A lot of stuff that Jesus talked to the Pharisees about. And in John 8, it seems like he's talking to believers, these you know, religious leaders who had believed. And in John, when, he, when John uses the word believe, he, he seems to imply that these were genuine followers of Christ. And yet in that context, uh, Jesus seems to be talking about these guys are somehow still bound. 
They're still bound by their past. And he enters into this conversation with them about their ancestry and whether they were children of Abraham. And he goes, no, no, no. If you were children of Abraham, you would demonstrate the works of Abraham. He says, no, you're, you're children of your father, the devil. Now, you can't get any worse than an ancestor like the devil, let me just tell you. And Jesus is saying here that their ancestry is affecting their present behavior. And that they want to kill him because that's what the devil is. They, they can't receive the truth because the devil's a liar. And he's showing that our past and our ancestry can have an ongoing effect on us that keeps us bound. But the good news in that passage is that Jesus goes on to say, but my truth will set you free. The Son can set you free. If you will come to him and believe in him and receive him, you can be free. You don't have to live as a victim of your ancestry. You don't have to live as a victim of your past. The truth of Jesus, the Son of God, will set you free. And here's just a a few more concluding scriptures before we just come around our time of meditation. You know, I love Matthew chapter 1. You know, we don't, Matthew chapter 1 usually we skip because it's the genealogy of Jesus. You know, we always skip the genealogies. But when we do, we miss things like this. Matthew 1.5 says this, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Now Rahab was a prostitute who became a believer. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Now Ruth was a Gentile who was far from God. And those two women are in the line of Christ. Now, if that is not an encouragement that your ancestry and your past does not have to determine your future and the legacy that will come from you from this day forth as you embrace Christ, just like these two incredible women who had the most checkered past, and yet the legacy that came from them was a godly line that resulted in the Savior of the world. What an encouraging, powerful scripture the genealogies uh, here's another one you know this one 2 corinthians five seventeen. such a powerful verse this means that anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person the old life is gone and the new has begun you see in john 1 12 and 13 jesus speaks about the fact of our new identity and he says this yet to all who did receive him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent. See, it doesn't matter what your fathers or your forefathers or your ancestors did. You can have a different future, a new identity, a new legacy, a new family line in Christ. Because he says, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Because of Jesus, and I love this, in Romans 5, Paul tells us about these two Adams. You know, we're all related to our the forefather, Adam, and because of Adam's sin, we too are bound by sin and bound by death that came into the world through sin. But then Jesus came, and he, he took upon himself our physical ancestry, as it were, as the perfect divine human. He, he, he stood in the line of Adam's lineage, and, and Romans 5 calls him the second Adam who came. And in him, we have forgiveness. In him, we have life. In him, we have the opportunity to become the children of God and every connection to the first Adam to death and to the lifelessness of that ancestral line is broken in Jesus 
And just like that, original forefather's connection to us is broken. I believe that every other natural descent, natural generational influence, every sin that of our past, every shame that we carry, every guilt that we carry can be broken because of Jesus. And so I believe that today could be the beginning of a new generational line. And I want you to take a moment just to consider, are you living as a victim of your ancestral stuff? Is there, is there stuff that you know about even, that curses that have been put on your family or, or vows and, and curses that you know, your, your families have entered into through occult and witchcraft or through Freemasonry or through a whole bunch of other ways that your, your parents or your parents' parents or somewhere down the line, something happened that set in motion a chain of events that now affects you. Let's bring that before God and say, God, we want a new beginning today. Break those things of our past. We, we renounce and we, we just close off any opportunity that the devil has to bring us into bondage in these areas. Why don't you just bow your heads and let the Holy Spirit show you if there's anything there that you need to bring before God and then we'll pray together. Thanks, Ajay. Father, I confess that my sins and the sins of my family and past generations were committed against you. I repent and ask you to please forgive me and my ancestors for our rebellion and sin. And I silently name anything that the Holy Spirit has made you aware of. continue please break the power of any curses and words that were spoken over me and my family line and again name anything that you're aware of let's continue i renounce every foothold that has been given to the devil through generational influence and my past sins and failures and ask you to please release me from any bondage that has come into my life. I confess that in Jesus I am now your child. I am a new creation and all the shame and guilt from my past is gone. Thank you, Father, that from this day forward my past no longer has any control over my life and there is now a new future for me in Christ. I thank you that through Jesus every curse is broken and every accusation is silenced so I can be free. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we receive this. Receive your victory. We receive your forgiveness and your freedom in Jesus. Pray, Lord, that you'll continue to speak and reveal and show us things that we need to keep bringing before the cross. Lord, continue your good work in us today. Be with us and may your blessing and your peace, your shalom, rest on us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. If you'd like prayer, please come and let us pray with you this morning. Stick around for morning tea.